All right. Welcome, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing real well. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited about this topic. You know, it's one thing to generate insight. It's another thing to take appropriate action. So if you would, please introduce yourself and a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Sure, sure. Uh, so my name is Kevin Campbell. Uh, I'm a people scientist with Qualtrics. So my role is in helping our customers get from uh, where they are uh, to where they want to be with regard to their employee experience programs and mapping out exactly how long it's going to take to get there and setting up the program along the way. Uh, so my background is as an organizational psychologist, and I've had a pretty interesting career. So uh, prior to going back to grad school, I was a headhunter for Google. Uh, then I worked as a, a workplace consultant for the Gallup organization, human capital consultant for Deloitte. Uh, had my own practice, uh, worked as a people scientist for CultureAmp, and, and now I'm here with Qualtrics working with a lot of amazing brands on connecting customer experiences with employee experiences and uh, helping HR leaders quantify the impact of their work, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Well, I'll highlight right up front that we did a podcast recently, and your story is fascinating and fantastic and inspiring, so I encourage uh people who are viewing today to go listen to that. You can find it on SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. But today, you know, again, we're talking about taking uh, appropriate action. So, you know, spe uh, specifically, uh, when you talk about the customer and employee experience and connecting, you know, those and even downstream from that, you know, how to inspire appropriate action with the insight that you are generating, what has to happen? Well, I think the, the first thing that, that has to happen is that people need to realize that everything that you do with regard to people analytics, um, and this is you know my opinion, but I, I think you would probably agree, um, needs to be done with the intention of decision-making or action taken in mind. Um, and we've created a little model um, that I think can really help lay this out for people in a way that doesn't become overwhelming for stakeholders outside of people analytics or stakeholders outside of HR, um, because uh, getting engagement results back, looking at, at these, um, these things that feel in many ways evaluative uh, can be anxiety producing for some people. Um, so I think the first thing is to have an action-oriented mindset and to know that understanding and knowledge accumulation without putting that work and, and, uh, and that information into action um, is, is really uh, kind of a shame. It, it's, it really does feel like it's a, it's a missed opportunity. Um, and uh, there's, there's a, a big deficit um, between the number of employees who are asked for their opinion in some way, shape, or form, and uh, the ones that feel like that's done in a really actionable and effective way. Uh, and one of, one of my goals in this space is to help close that gap uh, and demonstrate the power of, of what's possible when that gap is closed. I love it, which brings us to a question that you would like to ask uh, everyone if, uh, if just rhetorical. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious, um, and I know there's a, a couple of different ways that people might be able to, to interact with us. Um, but there is a stat here. Uh, I might have made it up. It might be an actual stat. Um, but what do we all think about the, this statement? Is it true or false that 89% of the employees that uh, Qualtrics surveyed in 2020 
uh, say they have an opportunity to provide their company with feedback. Um, did I make that up? Does that sound too high to, to the folks listening in? Does that sound low? Al, I'm sure you kind of, you know, even though I haven't prepared you with this question, I'm sure you have your own opinion or, or thoughts on what this could be. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious what, what people think with regard to this statistic. Um, I don't know. Can you see the, the, the chatter coming in or, or anybody making comments or? Yes is a short answer. And here, I don't have the, the poll up here, but here's the, uh, here's my look. And we're both uh, question professional, question design professional. So I look at, <laughs> I look at that timing of 2020 and I look at Qualtrics you know, customers. That, that it is, I sense that it's a yes. However, 89% is a really you know high number. So I am I'm torn. I'm in the middle. Just put, put, put us out of uh, our misery. You know, is it true or false? Well, it, it's, it's absolutely true. Um, 89% have an opportunity to give feedback, but only 7% say that their company acts on that feedback really well. Uh, so there's a, a deficit between what companies are doing with regard to collecting data and collecting people's opinions uh, compared to the way that that actually gets acted on well let's let's talk about this for a second because you know it's one thing to be heard it's another thing to have appropriate action taken based on what you share and the ideas that you provide and you being uh, an io psychologist someone who's studying the experiences of workers if you're voicing an idea or a concern or perspective or how you feel and appropriate action isn't taking, what does that do to that worker who provided their input? Well, from a, a really practical perspective, it's going to harm your response rates and your participation rate. Um, uh, a lot of times people are under the impression that there's survey fatigue uh, and survey fatigue is real. Uh, people don't want to be over surveyed. But more often, it's a lack of action and lack of relevance fatigue. Um, and also, it'll, it'll in, in fact, disengage employees. Um, you know, that word engagement, uh, it's come to mean a particular psychological state of being emotionally and psychologically invested in your organization and uh, that extra discretionary effort that you would apply toward your role. And all of those things are true. But there's also a more mundane definition of that word engagement, which just means to involve someone, to be engaged in a conversation, to be engaged in a presentation, to be engaged in your work. And literally involving someone in the act of improving their workplace by asking them for opinion and soliciting ideas, that, that meaning of the word engagement and the impact that it has also has an impact on the other meaning of the word engagement. Mm -hmm. One way to have more engaged employees is to literally engage them in their work, engage them in, the, in solving the issues and challenges and reaching the business goals of the organization. Um, and when you solicit that feedback, you're not only not engaging that person if you don't act on that feedback, but you're wasting some really valuable information that you could be using to make improvements, not just to the employee experience, but also to business outcomes, to the customer experience, to uh, improvements in operational metrics that could help you 
onboard people more quickly, develop leaders more effectively, sell more product, reduce costs. Yeah. You know, it, as you're saying that, yeah, I no one wants to be ignored. And that's the essence of what you're saying. If that if action isn't taken, then okay, I provided my insights and ideas and perspectives and feelings and you just didn't care enough to take action and thus you know how does that make me you know feel so without the preparedness to actually take action you know there's there's a significant miss there which your your data your your uh, insights highlight so then it invites the question how do you prepare how do you get ready to take a, appropriate action do you have any guidance there yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's as it's as easy as A, B, C, one, two, three. <laughs> um, so, you know, acting on people data and acting on feedback um, takes a little bit of a coach approach to it. So, I'm an organizational psychologist, so I wear a consulting hat sometimes, but uh, I also do a lot of executive coaching. So, I, I try and bring some of those principles uh, to this as well. Um, you know, I think making it as as simple as possible. Um, uh, really helps people break this down into a, a way that allows them to go farther faster than they would uh, trying to, to make it more complicated than is necessary. Um, so, you know, I think it really does begin uh, with this idea of being action oriented. Um, and we can unpack what that means a little bit. Um, but, you know, too often organizations focus on big changes that take a lot of time and effort. Um, you know, this means that it could take six months to a year to take action on a seemingly simple survey. Um, and it's easy to start too big, uh, even when common sense tells us that we're better off starting fast. And when we push to improve the employee experience all at once, all of the excitement and motivation can lead to grand visions that might not produce any kind of results. So, um, one of the things that you really want to start with when it comes to this action orientation is to begin with the end in mind. Um, you know, at Qualtrics, we have a practice that we've actually adopted from the customer experience world, where rather than jumping right into survey design, after we've gotten an idea of what the, the organization wants as its employee experience vision and, and some of the things that they would like to measure, uh, we can actually build mock dashboards for leaders to react to. And what that does is it, is it helps inoculate people to some degree um, when it comes to seeing results that they might not always be comfortable with seeing. And it helps them understand that, hey, this is going to be something that will come in the future. You may very well find out that a particular area of concern is lower uh, than you had expected, or there might be a a unique driver of engagement or well-being or inclusion that you hadn't anticipated. And now because you've asked your employees, they're going to expect some sort of action to happen as a result of that. Pre-preparing people for what their reaction might be and what actions they might take helps them set the stage of knowing that action is coming and that the whole point of collecting this feedback is to make decisions and take action. Um, but that action doesn't always necessarily have to happen at the organizational or leadership level alone. There are different action loops, and each of those action loops has their, their benefit. Uh, and keeping all of those in mind will make it so that 
people don't have to wait so long for the input that they've given to, to manifest in some palpable way. Yeah. You know, thank you for sharing that because uh, years ago, a friend and colleague uh, introduced this concept to me of expectation violation where, you know, how that makes people feel and how it's like the opposite of trust. So if I am put in this situation where hey, I'm setting the stage for something to come downstream, that's going to help me and my team do my job better and look out for my well-being or elevate my productivity, whatever the case is, and it is actually delivered upon, fantastic. You know, my trust elevates and, you know, good things happen. If it doesn't happen, if again, I'm ignored and that expectation violation occurs, then it's just flat out bad. <laughs> you know, it just disengages, it erodes trust. And so that's what I'm hearing is effectively setting the table. So this expectation violation does not happen that it in fact, you know, delivers. Is that a fair, you know, summary of what uh, you're getting to, not only with the action oriented, but I saw the second bubble about business relevance. Um, so, yeah. you know, how does that hit you? Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, in, in many ways, our experience is made up of the gap between our expectations and what actually happened. Uh, so, it's not always this objective measure of the an actual listing. Uh, in bullet points of the things that happened, it's it's how do you feel about those things that happened relative to the expectations that you had going into it, right? If mm -hmm. if you feel like I'm going to type in this open ended comment, and the the CEO is going to read it and realize that the whole strategy of the organization needs to change, if that's your expectation going into the process you're probably going to have a different reaction. So I think it is part of that level setting of saying, hey, this is specifically what we're going to do with this information and not over-promising. If anything, you might actually want to set the expectation lower than what you think you can fulfill. Mm -hmm. um, and also setting the expectation with managers and uh, admins and process people and, and leaders to say that, hey, if we're going to put ourselves out there to ask for this feedback, we have an expectation of you to do something about it. Now that something doesn't have to be grandiose. And I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks with this is that oftentimes people think that it has to be some sort of big monumental programmatic push. And sometimes it does, and those things are helpful, but it doesn't have to only be that. It doesn't always have to be that. Uh, right. Sometimes it can be um, something that's actually not a responsibility of the manager or, or leadership. It could be an IT issue or an administrative issue, right? Um, uh, think about the, the onboarding process. If somebody doesn't have their laptop within the first week, that's not necessarily something that it's the manager's responsibility. If, if there's feedback related to that that is collected during the onboarding process, why not just have that send a ticket through ServiceNow or whatever IT system you have to, to make sure that that loop is closed? So this action taking doesn't even necessarily have to be something that individual managers or leaders are responsible for. Um, now, there are those team level things where as a team, let's talk about how we can improve our experience of working on this team based upon what we see in these results. And those things may not be as instantaneous as those closed, those inner closed loop processes, um, but they can happen within 
a couple days or a couple weeks of closing the survey. Um, and th those things can be happening while you're also working on those organizational systemic changes. But setting the expectation that there is a person who is going to be responsible for every item on this survey to react to and think about what needs to be done based upon the results of that item. Yeah, love it. And you know, historically, I haven't seen that preparedness done to the level of detail that you're talking about. So keep takeaway, cer certainly. So I know you have, uh, you know, what does business relevance and downstream, you know, conversation based mean? Yeah. Um, so even though employee engagement and um, people analytics um, even those those reams of research that shows that it leads to things like increased sales and and profit. Uh, a lot of leaders, especially line managers and people leaders, uh, or people who are just so busy with their day to day work, um, often struggle to see how it connects to their specific work or their specific business. Um, you know, if you think about as an example, uh, a grocery store manager. Um, they're not thinking about employee experience or employee engagement or inclusion or extra discretionary effort. They're thinking about things like, how am I going to cover uh, the three folks who called out today unexpectedly? How am I going to do, uh, you know, uh, uh, fill these three positions um, that happened out of, out of nowhere? How am I going to deal with this angry customer who's yelling at me because of a coupon? Um, but all of those things actually are employee experience related and customer experience related. Um, so it's our job as people analytics uh, professionals to help build that connective tissue between what's happening in the business and the information and data that they have access to as a result of the, the programs that we're running. Um, so oftentimes taking action on people experience data and uh, people analytics results can feel like extra work on top of the quote unquote real work, but it's our job to help leaders understand that this is actually part of getting the real work done. Um, and, and we can do that in a number of different ways. Um, and, and one is, is just that, it's the analytics that we come to the table with to not just say, oh, this research institute or this academic uh, did some research that showed that there's a, a specific connection between employee engagement and all these great business outcomes. It's going back to your stakeholders and saying, actually, we were able to discover that when you do these specific behaviors, you're more likely to get this business outcome that's already the top concern for you in your, in your role right now. Right. You, you want to increase sales at your store. Oh, it just so happens that we've done some analytics that have shown that when you do a better job of recognizing employees, there's a higher likelihood that you're going to increase sales or whatever that that connection point happens to be. So it really comes from marrying that operational business data, the metrics that people are covering every day anyway, and then including the experience data and the, the, the people analytics information in a way that's easily digestible using simple descriptive statistics for frontline teams so that you can continue beating that drum of just how important this information, this data is for helping leaders become better leaders and become more effective in their role. Yeah, I, I'm smiling over here because yeah, it's the case where there's so many individuals, whether they be people managers or HR professionals, thinking that they need to be 
analysts, that they need to be sophisticated and understand advanced statistics. And it's not the case. It's about having meaningful conversations and having just basic data elements like you started this uh, talk with, you know, hey, the 7% are confident that they're taking uh, appropriate action. That's a low number. Therefore, you know, let's explore how to, you know, bump that up. And then a healthy conversation ensues. And so, you know, talk about what the conversation looks like. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of it begins with putting the person at the center of the conversation rather than putting the number at the center of the conversation. Um, so this is uh, conversation relevant and conversation based um, it means a couple of different things. One is um, people analytics is a conversation between the organization, its leaders and the people within that organization and employees. Um, so it has to be a two way street, um, both within uh, passive or, or active data collection methods, but also things like team meetings and focus groups. Um, so too often leaders will take the results of a survey, go into a room by themselves or by themselves and come up with a plan without ever speaking to the people that they work with, their employees about those plans. When people take a conversation based approach, however, uh, they really unpack the results with their team. Uh, so rather than getting into the weeds with questions like um, what learning and development options are available, we saw that this was low. Don't you see all these options that are available to you? Uh, you can instead, as a manager, as a leader, ask your team, what are you excited about learning? Uh, and you see, this is important because there's a, a few subtle shifts in the way that the conversations are framed that can create a much richer and deeper conversation about people analytics. Um, also, a, a way of framing the questions such that you're not saying 70% of our people are engaged but instead saying 70% of our people are emotionally and psychologically connected to their work and want to go above and beyond in their, their job. Or to say that uh, our retention is, um, our retention scores around an intent to stay are 20% favorable. No, what you could say is that 80% of our people admit to thinking about looking for a job quite often at work, <laughs> right? So, so just reframing the conversation, the way the data is shared, but then also the way the conversation happens within the team, um, making sure that when, when people are um, uh, giving that feedback or that you're discussing the results, that it becomes a, a two-way co-created plan for how things might be done um, so that you are not necessarily delegating that responsibility, to HR to go hold a few focus groups with a, a, a few select people within the organization and try and use that to get a deeper insight into the results for your team. Have a conversation with your team about the results that you see. Um, and oftentimes this looks like going back a step to the, the business relevant piece. And, and before you look at the people data, before you look at the, the analytics results, sitting down with folks and saying, why do we exist as a team? What are our business goals over the next quarter, over the next half year, over the next year? Uh, what do we really want to accomplish? Getting really clear on that and then saying, okay, well now let's look at some of this, this other data and what does that tell us about the goals that we're trying to achieve, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. A great example of that is a, a sales manager that I was working with. Um, you know, She wanted to increase sales for her team 
And the, the first thought was, okay, maybe I need to hire a sales trainer. And that's a, you know, a common uh, tool in, in one's tool belt to be able to address lagging sales. Um, but then we looked at her, the scores for her team. And what we found was that the scores for learning and development were actually quite high. Um, but the part where there was a, a little bit of a, a, a less favorable response was around things like tools and equipment. So maybe rather than spending the time and effort in hiring a sales trainer, she could talk to the team about what specific software or tools they were missing to help enable them to do their job better. Uh, and maybe what she was hearing as a learning complaint, oh, I don't have this information, I don't have that information. From their experience, it was more about the knowledge management system that they were using. So oftentimes having the, the data and marrying that with your business goals in a conversational format will enable you to, to reach your goals and make better use of all this information. Gosh, I, I think that's so key. And thank you for highlighting it because HR professionals, and I say this compassionately, not critically, get steeped in their language. All right. Everyone knows what engagement is. Everyone knows what discretionary effort. And it's like, you know, we're talking past ourselves many times and we're talking past those that we're trying to influence. And if we can just take that out and use plain language, whether we be within HR or a people manager who's consuming these insights and getting their team together, just, just talk, you know, and unpack with, I can't believe I said unpack. I, I don't use that word, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 let's investigate, let's stay in compassionate curiosity and figure out what's going on and what we can do better to be more effective, you know, individually and as a group. So no, thank you for, for highlighting that. So the next Downstream, and by the way, we're going to go past the bottom of the hour for a, a bit because I know you have a focus area and you know two relevant actions, and I want to make sure that we you know get through this process. So, what, what's downstream from this conversation? Well, it, it, this is really about the, uh, the the communication that that happens after the action taking, um, mm -hmm. because oftentimes actions will be taken based upon employee feedback but employees won't always feel like that happened because it can take so long. Um, so one way of being able to um, work against that is to really narrow the area of focus. Uh, just start with one thing. Um, you know, there's a, there's a tendency to, to want to do all things and be all things to, to all people, but uh, by focusing in on the few things or the one thing that's gonna enable you to um, have the best return on action is going to really be a, a gift for, for you, your team, and the people that you work with. So pick one thing to focus on, create two relevant actions related to that one area, and then communicate what you've done three times via three different channels. What have we learned? And what actions are we taking? We heard X is an area of opportunity of us for us. So we're going to do Y to learn more about how to improve. And we've done Z as an initial action. Follow that plan. And you're going to see that not just um, uh, improvement in terms of the perception of action taking improves, 
but the connection that people are making back toward the work that you're doing with the feedback that they gave. Um, and in some instances, you might already have a, a, a program that you're working on or something that you're thinking about rolling out anyway that just happens to perfectly align with the feedback that you've gotten from your employees. And there's an opportunity to really draw that connective tissue by using this framework. And you don't wanna miss out on that opportunity to say, hey, actually we've already been thinking about this career mobility program because of your feedback and the analysis that we were able to do, we're actually gonna raise the, pri the priority of this. And that's due to the feedback that you gave. Um, and that's uh, a missed opportunity that you don't want to um, you don't want to leave on the table. Oh, gosh. I mean, again, it, it enables people to feel heard and it's inspiring. It's like, OK, I'm not invisible. I'm not being ignored. You know, I'm, this is going to fire me up, at least me personally. Uh, as we start to wrap, I, I do want to uh, understand better because you said it in passing, but I think it's a really important call out three times on three different platforms, modes of communication. What, what does that mean? Can you give us a, some examples? Yeah, so not everybody checks their email and not everybody shows up to the all hands meetings as, as much as we'd like. Uh, so some people are more available via Slack or via Microsoft Teams, or maybe it's through one-on-one -on -one conversations or team conversations as part of team meetings. Uh, but you have to think about the the, the the different channels of communication. You almost have to put your marketers hat on to some degree to say, okay, where are the people that we want to reach and where do they sit within the organization? Uh, what are the, the things that they look at? Where, where do we have their attention already? And how might we deliver that communication in the places where they already sit and the things that they're already paying attention to? Uh, rather than and, you know, it, it, the pushback to that might be people are adults, so they have to check their email or the, the all hands announcements. But at the end of the day, if if we want to campaign and, and, and help people understand the, the way that their feedback is working, we really have to meet them where they are. Um, yeah. and, and, and there's usually if you do at least three channels of communication, there is a, a pretty good chance that you're going to meet more people uh, and catch more people than you would if you only used one. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you for, again, sharing that because I think it's uh, overlooked many times. Okay. I sent that email. I made that announcement and therefore I checked that box and everything's, you know, move on. And it, this uh, recalls a, a quote from John Wooden, the late great John, uh, UCLA volleyball coach. It's not what you teach it's what you emphasize. So, you know, getting that out there multiple times and really reinforcing that, hey, we have, you know, taken action and we're going to learn more. So it becomes an ongoing experience <laughs> as opposed to just a, a one off check the box and and move on. So, hey, we're going to uh, wrap up shortly. However, uh, Jane asked a question and it actually uh, came to mind for me as well. And let me reframe uh, that as you um, read it there, Kevin, is that. You know, surveys uh, in one form are, you know, 60, 70 questions. They come out on an annual basis or semi-annual basis. There's a host of constructs and possibilities, you know, within there. So it, given the frequency is increasing, I want to call out, is there a suggestion about a good survey? Do you have multiple surveys on a variety of themes or do you have a big survey and unpack those themes? What are your thoughts there as we wrap? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, fewer surveys 
that have more information at more relevant touch points. Mm -hmm. So if you only survey once a year, there is a tendency to want to ask more questions because it's the only point in time that you, you have to be able to ask those questions. However, if you're surveying more frequently, you can ask fewer questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. if you're surveying as a result of a particular experience or touch point in the employee life cycle, or maybe it's not even a survey, maybe you're collecting data or inviting people to, to give suggestions on a web intercept or, or a QR code in the break room or the bathroom, um, then it becomes a lot more relevant and it, and it happens within the flow of the experience. Uh, so you can collect data um, through shorter surveys at multiple touch points and have the, the perceived relevance be a lot higher and the effort that's needed be a lot lower. Uh, but there's one thing that I love about this question, um, about a, a good survey or, or really good item design, is that you want the vast majority of your questions to be driver questions, action-oriented questions. Outcomes like ENPS, I would recommend this, this place to work to, to friends and family, or even engagement, I, I'm willing to go above and beyond in my role, are very important questions to ask, um, but they're very potent <laughs> um, and they're not directly actionable. So you want the majority of the questions on any survey or any feedback channel to encourage people to either answer an item that leads to a specific action or provide specific suggestions so that you can act on things. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, part of being action oriented is making sure that you're asking actionable questions. Uh, an example of an actionable question is, I know what's expected of me at work. I have the things I need to serve my customers well. Mm -hmm. uh, questions like, I'm bursting with energy in the workplace. Great question. It's a, it's a great outcome, great psychological state, but it's not directly actionable. Right. Um, so so that's, that's a, a, a good thing. And then when it comes to open-ended questions, um, uh, I think of them like colorful language and spicy food. Uh, you you want to use them sparingly, <laughs> and, and, and a little goes a long way. Uh, so so yeah, but but even then, encouraging people uh, not just to say something like anything else that you'd like to provide. No no no. Uh, follow up in a conversational way around. Hey, you you had mentioned that you don't have the tools you need to do your work well. Tell us more about that so we can get you what you need. All right. Gosh, you know, Kevin, I can talk to you all day. I really appreciate the way you show up and the insights that you're drawing out. How can listeners, viewers learn more about you and what you're doing there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, Kevin G. Campbell, the, the G uh, helps a lot. Um, and my LinkedIn uh, profile is, is popping up there on the screen. Uh, and then check out the XM Institute. That's uh, the Qualtrics Experience Management Institute. Uh, I'm an adjunct faculty member there and uh, recently posted uh, an article on this topic. And there are going to be more to come. All right. Well, we'll get that link in the comments. But again, thank you for sharing today and uh, look forward to seeing you, talking to you in person uh, before too long. So, Kevin, you be well. Thank you. Thank you.